Good evening, everyone. Uh, a hastily convened um, room from Stanford, Connecticut. I've joined Tommy Thornton here um, at Sally's Pizza. For those of you that don't know it, um, Sally's is certainly the best pizza in Connecticut, maybe in the country. Um, we're at the Stanford location. New Haven's the original one, but I'm a Sally's guy. Um, from way back, having spent four years in New Haven. So Tommy Thornton is here. Uh, we want to get his input on where we are in the market. I would like to remind everyone, two weeks ago, he called He called the turn. I'm not going to call it the Thornton bottom, but he called the turn, so he's got cred and he's been in the zone. So it'd be really great to hear from Tommy what he's thinking. Markets have obviously done a lot of lifting here the last uh, couple of weeks. The slingshot bounce off the lows. Who knows? I always tell people, you know, I'm not the best trader. I particularly suck at short-term timing. The longer we go out, the better I get more clarity I have. But having said all that, some of the rallies are just absolutely stupid. And um, Tommy's got a blueprint for a roadmap. Probably's looking at it. We have a lot of great people in the room tonight, as usual. That's what makes these spaces so wonderful. Um... We're going to get Tom Thornton up here in a minute, as well as some of the others from um, the group. I'd like to uh, invite some folks up to the room, though, to get it started. Um, I see we've got Guy Adami in the room. we got Schmuckatelli. we got Gilbert. Uh, Guy, keep your mic muted just for a second. I'd like to get Joe Schmuckatelli up here. And let's see who else we got. Gilbert, come on up. So at any rate... Um, I guess what strikes me about the market, and, and, and you know, it's all well and good. We can talk about how much XYZ piece of garbage has bounced, be it Kathy Wood or you know, whatever four-letter word you want to cite. What I find really interesting, and I, and I think the, the thing that catches my attention, which is maybe less obvious to folks, is watching oil, watching oil, and watching gold. Um, you know, we had that massive shakeout in, in the oil price down 30 bucks. It's kind of interesting how energy stocks, yeah, they blinked for a little bit, but that was it. And back up and to the right, I saw the XOP went out at 130, 131 this afternoon. Uh, so I think, you know, that correction, whether it's in price or time, pretty sure it lived. And I also happen to think one of my, one of my rants that I want to go on tonight is the subjects about Twitter mobs as sort of a contrary indicator. I've come to realize that anytime you see a Twitter mob, everyone's on one side of the page. It's usually wrong. Sort of like, you know, you people like to gauge sentiment. They'll do things like look at Google searches for certain words, and that'll be a proxy for sentiment. Well, in my experience, I've been on Twitter for a couple of years now. Whenever I see universal consensus on one idea, not you should fade it right away, but write it down, put it in an envelope, put it in the upper right-hand drawer, and then fade it within a month. And I just see the way the pieces are moving on the chessboard right now, and I'm getting that feeling um, about rates, about oil. I actually think the contrarian view, this is going to sound insane, but I'll explain it. And, and Tommy's got the other side of this, because, I mean, sentiment's very high, and he's sitting right next to me. Sentiment, and it can stay high and go higher, but there was a wonderful contrarian investor by the name of Leo Dorsky back in the day at Fidelity, and he was a real contrarian. And I remember this very clearly, Take the price of oil. If Leo was alive now, he passed away a year or two ago. He might argue that actually the contrarian view is to be bullish on oil. 
because a lot of the people that have been buying oil, it's sort of like a lazy consensus view that tourists, Jim Cramers of the world, they don't really know what they're doing. They don't really know why they own it. Yeah, there's Russia and the Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. But that's not why oil went up in the first place. That's not why oil was going for two years. We turn to folks like, you know, Mike Roth, who had all the portions of them a few weeks ago, pointing to how inventory levels have been going down and continue to go down. And that's got nothing to do with Russia. And I think people are kind of losing the plot here. So I, w- I stepped aside of some of the energy names because I was afraid there was going to be a pullback. Maybe that's all she... All, all, all she writes and it just says you know the tech stocks for the longest years years and years and years in the market for that matter really never let you in if you're waiting for the big correction maybe energy's not going to really let you in so my take and i'm not gonna i'm not gonna you know i got a thing for kathy woods everyone knows she makes me hot not in the way that some might think i'll probably get sued for saying this but you know I, i'm not th- those things are rentals you you want to catch the falling knife go for it just do it without my money I think the investment, you know, is continues to be energy and gold. Um, guy, I'll let you speak in a minute before we go to Tommy. But you know, Carter Worth is a good friend of yours and is on your show on your space. He was in a space this afternoon with Michael Guyad. Everyone should follow the Lead Lag Report. Michael Guyad has some of the best spaces on Twitter. And Carter's an old friend. And I asked him to put him on the spot. I said, Carter, forget about the next day or week or month. Let's talk about investing. If you were to go away for a year and not look at the screen, what would you buy? I mean, I still think that, you know, long energy, short Kathy Woods is going to make another 100%. It's up 100% in the last three or four months. I think it's going to go up another 100% before the year is over. And he agreed with that. Now, right here, right now, though, he likes he likes healthcare. He likes the XLV, so we could have Tommy talk about that. But you got to differentiate between investing and speculating. Everyone's looking for setups, day trading, weekly options, all that nonsense. That's not how you make real money. And I know Guy knows that. So uh, Tommy will go. So the order we're going to go in. So Tommy, I'm going to recognize you. Hold on. So my, my good friend Guy Adami and then Tommy and then Gilbert. Guy, what's up, man? Well, I'm honored that you allowed me to speak here. And unfortunately, I got to get off in a few minutes for a telehealth call, believe it or not. My age, you take what you can get. But you do an amazing work. I appreciate it. I'll say this, and I'm curious as to some of the thoughts behind it, but I think the mechanism behind markets are completely broken. And I've said this on the show, I've said it on our spaces, on, I've written about it, and I'm curious as to your thoughts. But you know, the 10 year bonds in the United States, by almost by definition, should be one of the most liquid securities assets, whatever word you want to attach to it, maybe in the history of mankind. And if you watch the way it's traded over the last year, and then specifically just over the last couple of weeks, I mean, 10 year yields went down to 165, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And you see where they are now. It's trading like a $400 million biotech stock, you know, with a phase three trial going on. It's remarkable to me. And you know, I know you know this. I am no fan of our Federal Reserve, and I'll say it here. I've said it on the show. I think amongst the many villains of the 21st century, and it's a long list, I think central bankers are going to be on top of it. I don't think they're, I don't think they're mean-spirited. I don't think they intend to do it. But quite frankly, um, they've put us in a position that there's really no elegant way to get out of. And I think we're starting to see that and, you know, they're trotting out all these different Fed officials talking about 
50 basis point hikes. And I think I, I really believe they're greasing the skids and the market for whatever reason last week chose not to believe them. But, you know, when people tell you who they are, believe them. Um, so that's my quick thoughts. And I don't want to um, take up too much of your time, but that's just my thoughts real quickly about the last you know week, week and a half. Guy, I really appreciate that. And, and um, hold on. We're getting some feedback here because I'm actually sitting next to Tommy drinking beers over pizza. Um, so, Guy, I really appreciate that. And it's so wonderful that you're in here and stay as long as you can. Maybe you can have a little uh, uh, tag team thing with, with, with Tommy. Uh, for those of you that don't know Tommy, he's, he's um, part of Hedge Fund Telemetry. Really good follow. Also, as a service, I have no commercial affiliation with Tommy, but it's really modestly priced and, you know, institutional quality for a very reasonable price. Can't recommend it more. He's a must-follow. Reach out to him. Send him a DM or whatever. Go to his web- website, Hedge Fund Telemetry. All right. So, Mr. Thornton, I'm going to put you in the hot seat. I can do that because I can do that because you're a friend. Um, and so, give credit where it's due. You fucking nailed this turn a couple weeks ago. At the time, I told I hate I told you I hated you. I think I Bloomberg you. I hated you for calling that because I didn't like what you were saying. But you were right. And again, just to remind everybody, I, I keep giving Tommy credit. I'm not. I mean, I'm a great setup man. I guess I'm showing for him. But to remind everyone of the story, December 2018. I remember Tommy went to London. Was literally sick in a hotel room. And he's like, it's not that he can see stars. He can see the mark indicators all over the place saying saying. The market's bottoming. It was like a trend uniformity. And I hated it then, and I hated it now. But give credit where it's due. He nailed it. He absolutely nailed it. And, you know, earlier this week, for those who don't take the service, you know, he said he's taking some longs off. I mean, it's embarrassing, quite frankly, to listen to how much of his crap went up. He made like three years of performance in like three days. Some of the stuff was so oversold. So, Tommy, no pressure here. But with that, with that setup, with that introduction, maybe just tell a little bit of people how your thinking has evolved here. Um, And more importantly, not just, you know, you're selling some longs, putting out some shorts, but your blueprint for the rest of the year and how this might be indicative of what we're likely to see. Tommy, the floor is yours. Okay. Hey, um, George, you got to shut your little thing down there so we don't. Okay, so here we are. Uh, We are at the new location of Sally's Pizza, Um, one of the best New Haven pizza restaurants and there are three it's the holy trinity um there's frank peppy's there's sally's and the modern and everyone sally's sally's i gotta say sally's tonight has been awesome and you know we've got a group here of uh traders that are a very diverse group uh they've actually been put together through a stock twits uh function and um so thank you to stock twits uh we're having pizza and beer and hanging out uh, with some good people. And I have to say, George is one of the best of the best. And I know everyone um, has really appreciated these spaces. It's like the best thing I have, I can say that Twitter's ever been. It's amazing what type of talent we have here. Okay, so, yeah, I'm due for a major drawdown because... It's time for you to get hosed. Yeah, I, I absolutely know it's coming, but... Let's just back up. I, I've said that 2022 is going to be a very tactical year. And that means that basically it could be a, a repeat of other bear market. Here, give another, me a beer. Another beer. Another beer. 
Um, another like year like 2000 or other types of pullback years where you have these, you know, it's a, at the end of the year, you'll go, oh, wow, it was down awful, 35%. But in the meantime, as John Roke has said, and I've known John a long time, there's five, 10% rip your face off rallies that if you can catch them and exploit those, they really add up and are very, very, um, you know, just takes a lot of pressure off of your year uh, and, you know, lines your pockets a little bit as well. So the, the thing is, right now, as I see George bringing me a beer and he's having more Sally's Pizza, which is awesome. And I, you can get it on, what is it, Gold, Gold Belly? Isn't that, yeah, you can, you can buy it even if you're anywhere in the yeah, world. It, you can really, you can do that. It's amazing. Anyway, my, my thought is that, has been that we would make lower high bounces. And the... First low that we had saw market sentiment uh, tracked by that I look at with daily sentiment index at 10% S&P bulls. That's a pretty low level. And keep in mind, sentiment is a condition and not necessarily a trigger. You need another trigger. So I had a shorter term DeMarc indicator, the setup nine. It worked. And then we had another downside move, which actually gave us the uh, sequential 13, which is a bigger and more in, uh, more important indicator as far as exhaustion on the downside. So I basically had market sentiment at absolute drop dead lows. Uh, the DeMarc se sequentials happening, and I screened with the S&P 500, and I had just all I had were buys across the board. So I bought, and I've been peeling away some of the longs and I still have some but now I'm starting to add back shorts. I'm back short uh, S&P or the spiders and Q's. I'm long IWM which is fine. I've shorted some energy. Don't hate me. It's just technical. Um, and I've actually shorted some steel stocks as well which I know that sounds very... Steel stocks? Yeah. Why do you do that? Shorts are rolling? No, I got some exhaustion signals okay. and but I know there's like a town in china that is you know locked down and so i think i heard about that yeah their their factories are, are closed but anyway uh so i'm i'm wrong on those right now and i'm fine because i really size right i don't size up to where it's gonna cause me to lose sleep by the way i'm gonna interrupt this is great with tag teams so i was listening to a fundamental analyst the other day Shermaine nameless who's really good on the steel space and this analyst had the steel socks as a sell why this will come to anyone as a great shock once you hear it. The problem is input prices have gone through the roof. So iron ore, energy, and all that stuff. And these guys don't have enough pricing power. So you're likely to see a margin squeeze. So actually, Tommy, you know how you always say that the, the charts lead the, fun, the, fundi, the fundamentals or the fundamentals? I think you're, I think you're onto something, Tommy. Yeah, but the, you're right. And, you know, I think Nucor's earnings were a little squishy. And they came out and, and guided to that same thought. So right now I'm kind of looking at things like that as shorts. I really haven't gone back to short some of the tech names just because I don't think they got as overbought as they could have. I actually, wrong. I shorted Apple and Amazon, just sort of mega cap, you know, uh, I guess just holders right there. Apple's not really making me very happy because I'm seeing a lot of call buying and they're, you know, gamma squeezing it. 
So I, yeah, I could talk all about my losers. I'm, I'm short Tesla. That was not fun today. Um, I'm paired off with a couple other car companies that have done okay recently. But it's just, this is a tactical market. You got to stick, jab, you got to move around and not get um, overly caught out. And if you're wrong, get out and move on. Okay, George just spilled a full glass of beer on the table. And um, yeah, that was close. That was a close to almost close a very down. wet lap. Anyway, <laughs> uh, if you All guys right, could so, see this pizza. Hey, Tom, why don't you mute yourself? Put okay. Else up here. All right. With that, I just made a mess. Um, so we're gonna have some. Other, we're gonna have some other uh, friends here. Uh, come on up. Um, so we have a gentleman who's uh, Daniel, who's worked with. Uh, Daniel DiMartino Blues. So, you know what? I've had too much beer to drink, so I'm going to let him tell a story. So, he's a smart guy. He used to work with Bank, Bank Credit Analyst, Ned Davis Research, and Buckingham. So, he's not some yokel off the street. Um, so, I'm sorry I already forgot your name. That's all right. For those of you that don't know me, I, I'm really good with facing some horrible with names. So, why don't you introduce yourself? Why are you here? How do you know Tommy? And talk about whatever awesome. whatever conviction you have. Okay. The market, oil, and industry, whatever you want. Thank you. Just talk about something that you believe in, some conviction. Absolutely. Well, I've known Tommy for a very long time. Uh, in fact, uh, he and I were worked together when he was at Level Global back in the day and have common friends from there, too. Um, he used to post a tweet, who wants to go out tonight? And this is how far back it goes. I'd be the only one that showed up. Um, but now we've got a, a, a whole floor here at a, a great restaurant that uh, Tommy's introduced me to here and super honored to be here and be part of it. So uh, as uh, George was saying, I work for uh, Danielle DiMartino Booth, who is probably the, uh, uh, she's a strategist and there are a lot of great strategists out there, but. You think we can get her to come on one of our next one of our uh, Maybe. <laughs> All right. Go on. Go on. Go on. <laughs> um, she, uh, but her edge and our edge at Quill Intelligence is uh, the Fed. And, you know, there's, with wars going on in the world, a lot of people are, are watching generals, and I, I love watching them too. But uh, one of the great things that they are saying these days is that, you know, amateurs look at strategy, but uh, professionals look at logistics. And I would say, that the edge of Quill is the logistics of the Fed. And that's where uh, I can be helpful and would love to talk to anybody. But I'm here to promote Tommy, who is my good friend, uh, not so much Quill Intelligence, but George asked me to give a view, yeah, so, so I'm gonna so, give yeah, a view. So, so, so here's the view I'd like you to address, the thing that bothers me. I read a really interesting piece today, people saying how the Fed can't really do what it wants to do. If it's gonna shrink the balance sheet, um, who's gonna buy all the bonds? And rates are going to have to go up, and the economy won't be able to take it, and blah, blah, blah. So maybe it speaks to your point about logistics. Like, in theory, Powell was uh, sudden is talking tough, but the reality is, is, can he do it? So maybe you want to speak to that, and, and, and what will happen if they try it? Absolutely. Our view at Quill is that he could have done it had he done it sooner, but he's too late now, and he's going to have to move harder than he otherwise would have, and he's still too late. We were shocked that... Not so much that it was 25 basis points on the first round, but that there was no announcement on, on, on shrinking the balance sheet. And that now they're saying, even, the, even the, the most hawkish on the Fed are saying, we'll shrink the balance sheet in July. And 
Fed speak and jawboning is losing its credibility fast. And that's why we're seeing such volatility right now. And we're going to see even more volatility here in the coming months uh, ahead. And uh, the Fed's behind the curve. And, and, and people aren't going to believe them anymore. They're going to want them to move intraday. And in fact, I can't speak for Danielle, but for myself, it would not surprise me if the markets jacked things so high that the Fed was actually having meetings saying, well, wait a second here, maybe we need to do something intra-meeting. So, so, so what's, what's the chance that the bond market vigilantes, and maybe you want to explain what a bond market vigilante is, but what's the possibility that the bond market vigilantes, which are heretofore thought to be endangered species, if not extinct, that they're making a comeback somehow? I, I think they, they could make a comeback, but they don't have, like, what's happening is leverage is coming in. So they don't necessarily have the leverage. And a lot of the Ken Griffins of the world and Steve Cohens of the world have, have lately had to rein in their bond traders. So they're... they're right, 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 but the point is, we, you know, the, the Jerome Powell's lips are moving, but yields keep going up. And what, what's, let's put it another way. What's the chance that they just lose control of it here in the market? You know, watch what they do, not what they say. Like Jerome Powell's he, he, open, exactly. ma- open mouth operations, as they call them, open yeah. mouth, not open market. Open mouth operations, as you're saying, at the margin are losing their efficacy. What's the risk this intensifies? And also, and also at the same time, given that they're, they're not really, they're, they're walking, the, they're talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. Notice what's happening in the oil price. And by the way, I see all you Canadian oil mafia friends of mine in the room. Uh, so, hey, I'm not saying that because for you or oil God or any of you guys. But notice crude today, you know, you, you notice crude up four bucks, the XOP through 130. So what's the chance, that because they're not doing or they don't want to do what, what they claim they're going to do, the market's going to call their bluff and just watch oil prices and commodity prices go further up and to the right? Well, absolutely. We, we at Quill have a call right now for long oil, uh, and um, we have a lot of clients in Texas, a lot of COOs of, of uh, Texas um, energy patch firms. And they're telling us, look, we've got the oil on the ground. We just need, you know, Biden to come here and, and help us uh, give us faith that if we spend the money on the infrastructure to get it out of the ground, that we'll get paid on it. Um, I, I, it just that screams to me that he went to Venezuela instead of to Houston, that uh, oil is just going to rocket higher because uh, these guys, you know, need to see deeds, not words. Uh, to get to get it out of the ground, and the same is true for other commodities. Uh, Danielle and I were on a on a big conference call this morning with a, a a large international registered investment advisory firm, and they the at the, the closing question was, well, where do we put our money? And and we just leaned not so much hard into commodities directly, but for equity exposure, definitely the commodity oriented names. Uh, and you'll see even more hints of that in our work in the coming so, weeks. So in your work, where does that leave you about with your view towards the market, the stock, the stock market generally? I mean, as we've all heard in these rooms, we keep repeating, um, to me, equities represent return-free risk, really no upside, all downside, with a few certain, exceptions for certain sectors. You know, energy's really been the only sector that's been up and to the right this year. I'm still very bullish on energy compared to everything else. Obviously, if the market does a dirt nap, you know, it might go down, but go down less than everything else. But for where you guys, in terms of giving discrete 
investment advice, you know, for the few hundred people in the room. And my, I want to thank all of you. This is fabulous. We scheduled this room at the last second. There's already four or five hundred of you guys here. But for everyone who's in the room, I'm not interested in day trading or weekly setups. Apologies to the Nigerian brothers and CNBC. <laughs> but but sort of from an investment perspective, institutional accounts, what recommendations are you giving? Are you telling them to buy energy equities or buy oil or short the market or commodities? What sort of overall recommendation you're making? The overall recommendation is money supply is coming in. Credit's going to get squeezed. Multiples are going to get squeezed. You need your assets to still have the same purchasing power at the end. There will be massive volatility. Everybody says, oh, this is stagflation. This is 1970s 2.0. It's way more than that. If you look at the 1970s from point A to B, there was a lot of volatility in between. And people said, oh, but if you bought uh, hard assets, you did okay. Yeah, but there was a lot of volatility. And guess what? It's going to be that volatility on steroids right now. Because back then you had factors that we don't have right now. One, we have a hell of a lot more debt. And that's a big number one. Two, we had a younger population. And not just America, but China had a younger population. The average age in America in the 1970s was 28. In China, it was 19. Now in both countries, it's 38. And every year that goes up one year in America, it goes up two years in China. China is not going to bail us out on this round. They've got to focus internally. And then... Uh, I mentioned the debt. I mentioned demographics. Uh, another big difference is back then you had Nixon undoing the, the gold link to the dollar. So you had a dollar that was a hell of a lot cheaper. Now the dollar ain't so cheap. It's pretty expensive right now. So all those three factors point to extremely more volatility right now. It's hard to own, own anything. You don't certainly want to own cash. You want to own hard assets. Right. And one last question, and then we'll open some more questions to other speakers. Um, and obviously, this is, we're spitballing here. Nobody knows. Absolutely. And anything yeah. you tell me, I'm not going to believe, because I don't think even, even Putin knows. But what, what, what is the, the firm's view on the whole Iranian, uh, Ukrainian conflict? But more importantly, if you don't want to give a, a specific answer, just a framework about how do you think about the situation, sort of likely scenarios? Because obviously, Absolutely. okay, so like, my, my fear is, I mean, it's a tragedy again for all the Ukrainians, and, 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 and you know we're in a very vulgar pursuit here. We're talking about how to make money or particular hard-earned capital, so we should first think about the humanitarian crisis that's taking place. But having said that, I repeat what I've said in this room a couple times in recent weeks: I don't think this is going to go away quickly. This is going to take weeks, months, years. I don't know how long it's going to take. Um, I think Putin is in a much better shape than a lot of folks in the Western press would suggest. They've got an incredible amount of leverage given their market share in so many important commodities like energy, uh, food, um, their ability to cause cyber havoc, nuclear wars. Um, and so, you know, it creates a huge amount of uncertainty. You just use the word uncertainty. I'm just piling that on. So right here, right now, if, I mean, if you don't, I can't give you any answers. I don't think anybody really knows. How do you go about thinking about or handicapping what might happen? Because markets, I always say, markets are okay pricing risk, but they're no good with uncertainty. And we, what we have now is uncertainty. So... Any thoughts about that? Absolutely. I have huge thoughts there. Um, and it's this is me, not Quill Intelligence, and, and uh, may or may not be Danielle. But, um, you know, there's a lot of armchair generals out there. And I, I make a joke. I, I'd be 
an armchair corporal if it wasn't for uh, Mark Hurtling, uh, who you can Google him or find him on Twitter or Oss um, in Tech. Uh, I follow them both. I, maybe I'm not remembering that second guy well, but he's uh, he's actually in the Ukraine. Mark is the uh, uh, former commanding general of the uh, of the uh, U.S. Army in Europe, and he's been following uh, Ukraine quite intensely. And if you are too, you've probably seen him on CNN. Um, phenomenal commentary. I'd also point you to at CEPA, C-E-P-A, which is an organization that, uh, and I'm not leaning either way, Democrat, Republican, but it's an organization that, uh, rest in peace, Madeleine Albright used to head uh, for some time that, that tries to bring, tries to, to uh, counsel peace in uh, Eastern Europe and uh, had been doing that way before uh, the war broke out. So those are organizations you can watch for how this might play out. Um, how will it play out? It's either going to be a quick victory by Ukraine, in my opinion, which is maybe a 20% probability. And again, I'm playing armchair general, and without those sources, I'd be armchair corporal. Um, uh, uh, or it's 80% likelihood in those sources' opinions uh, that this is going to be drawn out for a while. Um, and it's very extremely tragic. It doesn't make earning money uh, relevant at all. But uh, we've, we've all got a root for freedom. If we, and uh, the wonderful thing about America is, is you can come here and you can earn money and you can keep it, for the most part, better than any other country in the world. And I think that's going to continue. And if we want that to continue, we have to keep funding people fighting for freedom. And I strongly encourage you to look to those sources and ask them where you can donate and, and help. Thanks for that. Now, that last point, watch the space. You're going to see something reasonably soon. That's fantastic commentary. Please, please hang. Um, I want to recognize a couple of our friends here who always have uh, interesting insights. So first, we're going to go to Javier, and then secondly, we'll go to Gilbert. If you have a question, raise your hand. Uh, Tommy Thornton stepped away from the table. He's drinking right now, but he'll be back. So, uh, Javier, what's on your mind? Good to see you, my friend. What's up? Hey, brother. How are you? Hey, uh, the, is the, uh, the guy that was just talking on your, on your deal, is he still sitting there? Can he hear me? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's here. Hey, hey Thornton. Martin, we need your phone because your phone's louder. Hold on. One second. Yeah, he's still here. And, and by the way, okay. we're, we're going to tweet out his, his, his Twitter handle. Yeah. It's and, at... So hold, hold on. Why don't you say it slowly sure. and clearly? So I, I was on Twitter for a very long time, uh, but went off. Uh, I had a couple thousand followers, uh, so I had to restart. But um, it's at CT, as in Connecticut, underscore Osprey, as in the bird at CT underscore Osprey. That's me. My name's Andrew Sinclair. That's on my profile as well. So, and, uh, so, yeah, so Andrew's already promised to get Danielle to come to one of our uh, spaces. Okay. So, so Javier, do you have a question for do you have a question Yeah, for yeah I, I do because he's a, because he's a Fed watcher. I, I have a question. And, you know, uh, George, as George knows, I, I come from the commodities, oil, and ag space. And I, and I hate hypotheticals. But I'm, I'm seeing something taking place that's not quite i mean everybody's all staring at commodities now and more people were interested in eia stats today than ever in my history in the space do you if there's a disconnect between the physical and inflation of 
of resource items. I mean, we're talking crude steel. Hey, 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 really hey hold on one second. Hold on one second. Yeah. We're having some issues here. Are you guys having hearing a lot of feedback from us or, or not? Yes. Okay, hold on one second. Just one second. All right, go. All right, I think that's better. That's better. That's better. Okay, so here's my question. Try to be as concise as I can without getting too hypothetical. Um, Knowing that in the commodity space, the capital allocation to commodities, which is it's relatively small comparing the overall financial markets, with the Fed's job owning on rates, with the bond market the way it's working, with the complete zero liquidity in the equity markets, if there's a disconnect in physical resources, which is coming and it's happening every day, and, and I'm seeing things, you know, I saw things happen today that are just unfathomable 10 years ago. Is there a point at which the Fed finds themselves in such an, I, for a, like of, a lack of better terminology, because I'm a simpleton, an anaconda squeeze situation where they have absolutely raging commodity inflation? And an equity market that breaks. I mean, is there is there a scenario that there's a game plan beyond a complete failure with these guys? Uh, I mean, is, do you see them having any other mechanism other than rates at this point that could contain a, a really out of control situation? I, 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 this is George, and then Andrew's going to weigh in. No, I mean the Fed can't print more oil. The Fed can't grow more wheat. But not only that, they're still continuing to run. A highly stimulative policy. Look at where the rates are. So, you know, they continue to gauge in open mouth operations. I think things are going to break. Um, so I, my answer is no. Andrew, you got an answer to that? I, I think George is right. Things are going to break. But uh, a very wise person once told me um, uh, fixed income trumps equities. Commodities trump fixed income or bonds. But currencies trump everything. At the end of the day, America still has the best system for earning money, which which what I alluded to earlier, and it still has the best military on the planet, which was just proved more than ever in the Ukraine. And we're still the armory of the world. So I would not, if there's swings in the U.S. dollar, I would, if you're betting against that, I would make it very short term. Yeah, my, my, my just, I mean, Tommy, maybe you want to give a technical view on currencies. It's really kind of a sideshow right now, the dollar. It's sort of the big picture bullshit, the elevator pitch. I mean, who the hell would want to own a euro right now? What's going on, obviously? Japan's going nowhere. I mean, the dollar was not not supposed to be, quote, unquote, doing what it's doing right now, according to, you know, all the geniuses, the, the mighty, not just Fintwit, all the geniuses on Wall Street. So you have this lethal combination of rising oil price, rising interest rates, and a rising dollar. I mean, Stan Druckermiller taught me that years ago. That ain't good. Now, maybe in the new world we live in, yeah, you know, this could be the first time it is good, but not where I come from. I mean, Tommy, do you want to you speak to that at all? As I stuff my face with Sally, Sally's pizza, um, the dollar, the theme has been the dollar strength over the last six months. And it's way before Ukraine. It's way before some of the other stuff happening, you know, with the Fed raising rates now. Uh, it's been strong. And I think that's been a risk off play. So, Andrew, who... I will tell you, I, I've met him uh, multiple times uh, for drinks over the years, and I remember him trading currencies off his phone in his PA. No joke, right? Um, and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I just made X. And I'm like, oh, cool. But anyway, the, the point is, um, 
I think the dollar's been the safe haven trade. I think it will probably continue to be that way. And if there is a notable drop in the dollar, then we can all reconvene and have a conversation about what the world looks like then. By the way, we can reconvene. Um, it's been agreed that Canadian oil mafia has been kind of slow at organizing uh, events. Uh, Thornton and I are going to jump, jump jumpstart all you guys. We're going to start doing regular live Twitter spaces from a New York restaurant. It'll be rotating. So, we'll, so we'll give you guys plenty of advance notice if you want to want to show up. But um, so anyway, that's coming soon in a theater near you. All right, let's move on. So, uh, Gilberto, always good to hear from you. What's up, my friend? Hey guys, happy to know you are in Salis, one of the best places of the world. I'm a Peppers guy. No, no, nothing. Uh, to be shamed off, but I love Sally's too. Anyway, uh, two things. First, uh, the connection with your cell phone uh, maybe can benefit from the Wi-Fi signal from Sally's. You may. Sorry, 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 Gilberto. Hold on, hold on. Question for everyone in the audience: Is that static from our end or from Gilberto's end? I'm sorry. I think it's your end, Gilberto. It's okay. You hear me better now? All right, well, it's okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Gilbert. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I, have a, I have a question for Thomas. Thomas, you posted early about um, Goldman right. Sachs. Hold on, Gilberto. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. All right, I'm gonna, let me give the phone to Tommy. Gilberto's got a question. Gilberto, I'll give you the phone to Tommy. Go on. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, Thomas, you were posting early about... I'm sorry, it's my it's my baby girl. <laughs> you were posting earlier about the rebalancing from Goldman Sachs. I was Sounds thinking like about that. Wait, <laughs> hey, Joanna, please, uh, agarra a Elena, por favor. Uh, Elena, ve para allá. Hey, sorry, guys, we're really, really sorry about it. No, so, <laughs> we all have them. Uh, you know. So, Thomas, uh, early today, like, you you. <laughs> you paid attention yeah. <laughs> to the to the fact that there's gonna be a big rebalancing after OPEC last week, and you used the example of something you heard about Goldman Sachs. So I've been thinking about this, and I want to know your opinion of how you think it's going to look their books after the rebalancing from next month. Basically, what sectors do you think they're going to be rotating out and rotating in? And what how do you think about if they are going to start that number you posted, 20 billion, whatever, you think in magnitude they will start rebalancing big okay. or medium? This. Okay. So, so first of all, um, thank you for the question. Um, so we have a rebalance at the end of every quarter, at the end of every month. And basically these morons that run pension funds that will try and rebalance from what hasn't worked or from what has worked to what hasn't worked and from stocks to bonds or whatever. And I think the, the Goldman number of 19 billion or so isn't that big of a number. That's kind of an odd lot in the grand scheme of things. But I also think it's like they're going to be rebalancing into what essentially what has worked less bad from really bad or they're going to move from really bad to less bad. And so I don't think it's a really big uh, 
catalyst for a big you know bond rally. I think there's more other important issues with the bond rally that could possibly happen. I don't know. Maybe there's some catalyst in Ukraine. Maybe there's an economic number, but there's not a lot heading into the end of the month. So I just, I right now, I just don't think that there's a huge rebalance that's going to tip the scales. Um, I mean, J.P. Morgan said it was 240 billion. Goldman said it's 20 billion. Yeah, I, I heard it was, today, like 10 billion. It's all over the place. Yeah, it, it's and a lot of it gets uh, priced in early. Keep in mind. More equities go. The more equities go up, and the more bonds go down, the more that number goes down. I mean, that two hundred billion number was a couple of weeks ago when equities is on a total dirt net. But because you you single handedly cause everyone to buy, 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 buy. Okay, it's up now, so that's the need. The rebalance is less for equities. Both equities and bonds have gone down. You know, they're about the same for the month. So the more equities rally, the more bonds go down, the less to buy at the end of the month. Your point. Yeah, I think that's a, a good point. And don't do Jim Cramer on this, please. You know, that was, that was just wrong. Um, you have more hair than Cramer. Yeah, and sense and brains and ethics and dignity and morals. Anyway, I'm right, sorry. I, I didn't okay, mean to go that far out there. Okay, so Tommy, I want to ask a question. Um, it's been pointed out to me by Carter Worth and Michael Guyat space that healthcare was looking, he's really amped up on healthcare. XLV in particular. I know you don't have your screen in front of you, but from memory, do you have an opinion on healthcare stocks? If you don't want to answer that question, if you wanted to invest in the market, what parts of the market look interesting to you right now? Okay, well, I think the big concern is that we break through the recent lows, and that seems that's that's been my playbook uh, along the way, and I think that's going to happen. So I I don't want to be in tech. I think there's going to be year-over-year comps that are going to be tough. As far as healthcare, it's a defensive place to be. Uh, I don't necessarily want to be long uh, biotech because that goes into higher rates, really hits the, you know, hits biotech hard. All right, you got the Canadian oil mafia in the room, okay? So they want to ask you about energy. You made the right call, calling the top of crude. Crude fell hard. Senate was 96, down to 91. So give us, me, give us your updated thoughts on energy, both tactically and looking at longer term, both the commodity and the stocks. Okay. I'm Again, um, market sentiment on the DSI data today uh, came in at 91% bulls. We've seen it go higher, obviously, to 96. Uh, I'm getting to mark exhaustion signals on the uh, WTI. I got it on XOP today. I shorted a little XOP. It's not working. It's going to be a little rough. It, might have a few more days. Just say hi to everyone. Hi. <laughs> From Sally's Pizza. Um, so I, I'm just I'm 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 a little concerned that that the over overly bullish tone that I've been reading on, or reading on Twitter, and I think that people are a little um, complacent there. And again, I, I had an issue. Um, or a, a thought that I said, you know, what if something goes right? Um, and and we'll see a, a, a big down move. So that could happen again. But look, I, I just think my read is kind of inconclusive right now. So maybe it's not that great. And honestly, when I can tell you it's not a great read right now, take that for what it's worth. I, I think sometimes people don't tell you their conviction levels, maybe not that great. George? 
All right, hold on. We got someone else here who wants to say hi. This is, uh, I'm really sorry. You told me your name, but I had too much to drink already. So, um, I'm going to, I can't say he's my longstanding friend, but, um, he, he, he's a longstanding listener of Twitter spaces. So why don't you introduce yourself and just whatever you want to talk about, whatever stocks you like, whatever groups you like, any, what's your investment outlook is like, what would you, what do you have to say that might be of interest to the 500 people in the room? Introduce yourself. I'm Jeff. I'm a retail trader. I try to tune in as often as I can. Uh, mostly I'm a student of this and I don't have so much to offer in terms of expertise. I would say stay nimble. Are you, are, are you long or short now? Defensive? A lot of cash? What, what are you doing? Uh, both. So I, I have a sizable allocation in the asset, which shall not be named the bits in the sky. Uh-oh. And then I also, I, I have that. I have that balanced out with a sizable energy port, uh, portfolio as well, and that's in oil, gas, and uranium. So somewhat balanced. I have the intangible bullshit, and then I have the real assets we need to live as well. So right. I think there's some balance there, and ultimately I think the bond market's going to get blown up, and a lot of that value is going to be transferred into decentralized finance. It might not be a popular opinion in the room, but I know Jim Bianco is giving shades of that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Appreciate it. All right. So, um, I don't know. Let's see. So, Abe, you want to – Susan in the room would like to speak up. Um, floor is open. Uh, Andrew, do you want to uh, weigh in with some further thoughts? I'm happy to field some questions. Yeah. If you got any questions for Andrew or for Tommy, um, you know, my own view, I think market's bounced enough here. A lot of the garbage is up in an area where I think you can start to, start to lay it out again. Again, I'm very encouraged by um, – the energy names and the oil price. Um, I think the contrarian thing might be against all odds that oil just oil just doesn't doesn't let up. I mean, again, Sohape did not pay me to say this, but you know, we went for years where the tech tech names basically didn't let you in. I think that's kind of where we are with energy. And, and, and you know, I look at I look at positioning where um, a lot of the prime brokerage data indicates you've seen shorting of energy stocks the last few weeks. Um, I, I take what Tommy says about sentiment uh, on the DSI, but if you look at positioning, commitment of traders, uh, the, spe- uh, the speculators, the hedgers, I mean, Tommy, I, I, I mean, I don't know if you look at this, but the commitment of traders data, positioning is incredibly light energy right now. People, either because they got blown up because they, they had to have more margin for commodities or whatever, I mean, speculative length is not that significant on energy. So I don't know. I mean, Incrude, incrude, incrude. Can I can I offer an interjection on that? I think I think we saw crude drop last week, and you know it's always funny because the end of the week is a much more important measure than Tuesday when they take the COT data. So I I honestly, and I know this may like come to for the COT people, you know, heresy, but. Sometimes when you have so many different ways to play around with a different market, I mean, for example, S&P, you've got so many different ways you can get involved that way. It's not necessarily just the futures trading with large speculators. So it's not as important and impactful. Same with bonds, because you could trade so many different ways. And so energy, George, I, I... yeah, I know it's it came down a little. I think people are still long crude. I don't think it's been that impactful. Right, George, here we go. Can I can I offer an interjection on that if you don't mind? 
Sure. One of those is over. So um, one of, if, to quantify the reduction in crude and uh, one of uh, Sohabe's Canadian oil guys, and I believe you, Thomas, as well, when we took the rally, the, the slow churn rally from 123 to the uh, off the top 30 and a half print where we retraced, um, we watched about 1.7 billion barrels of futures open interest come off the board between Brent and WTI. The vast majority of that was 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 three camps. One, it was weak longs. Two, it was uh, uh, small handed speculators who got put, punched out on margin, like myself, my entire position changed because it went from, you know, a, a, a 60, uh, 40% increase in margin over the span of about four weeks. Um, and then the third one was an extraordinary, extraordinary um, liquidation from the commercial traders who were all caught and they're still caught. I mean, they're still uh, fighting the, um, you know, their physical positions versus their hedges. And you've seen the stuff with Trappy and Mercuria raised $2 billion today. You've, you've reduced the open interest in the crude oil contracts to uh, concerned parties. So what you're seeing now is people that, that, that actually are traders in the market. The, it's a huge amount of producers. The reason that we believe, my firm, what, with what we're doing, as it translates to the equity space, is that even though you're seeing rallies and energies across the board, you're seeing constraints in capital, you're seeing uh, higher input input for the people in the like the mining business. It's already been touched on. Uh, even the oil producers are having trouble with logistics and supply chain. They're not going to be able to capture the pure upside value of just a cash basis in the physical products. Um, they're not, you know, you're not seeing one for one margin increases on producers simply because they are also seeing input costs that are not linear. They're, you know, you're seeing these scales for, for businesses that are having a hard time with this. It is far more expensive for the producers to hedge at this point in time, which is a constraint on cash flow. So as you, it's not a linear one for one. If you're a, if you're a medium sized driller, or you're a medium sized producer for you to be able to, you know, take in capital. Uh, increased production. That's some, one of the things that we've seen. And so the moves in crude, while volatility has gone down, you're seeing concerned parties. That's all I wanted to add to that. Okay. So I, I, I'm, I have George looking at me right now saying, so what's the point? Um, but it's Here's also the point. because it's, wait, hold on, hold on. It's also because, you know, we're getting stuffed with pizza and, and beer at Sally's Pizza here in Stamford, Connecticut. Highly recommend. Um, I'm not paid for this advertising, but so tell me in 15 seconds, which way is the next, or where are we going here with, with crude? What, where, what the fuck do I do? Okay, I'm just going <laughs> to mute again. You're, you're cautiously long. Um, you have to be prepared for the wild swings. It's, it's, it's the exact opposite as trading bear markets and equities. You have to pick your points. When you see your exhaustive symbols, it's, you know, the, the, the decrease in crude price was, was overbought, but the market cured itself by removing a, a, you know, a massive amount of speculation has gone from the market. There's you know, 1.7 billion barrels worth of speculation. I know you guys like the way I'm sort of the soup Nazi moderator. I just want to warn you, I've never had five beers on a moderating, so this could get ugly here. So, um, I don't know, if, if there's a final question or point you want to make, that's great, but 
you know. No, no, no. That was it. I was just I was adding cool. color commentary to what it looks like. It's a different view from the equities. That's it. No, I get it. I get it. Listen, listen Tommy and I are our friends. He's bearish on oil. I'm bullish. So it doesn't matter. He got the market turn right. I got it wrong. So move on next. And I'm wrong here. All right. Whatever. Okay. All right. So now, okay. So hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We're going to do Sohaib. Sohaib. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Sohaib. I don't want a commercial message for the Canadian oil mafia. You're my friend. I love you, man. But we all know the bull case. You don't have to recite it. So I always love hearing from you, but maybe something a little bit incremental will be helpful. And so we're going to do Sohaib, and then we're going to do Tony. So Sohaib, the floor is yours, my friend. What's up? No, I just, nothing. It was just a short. I just wanted to, you know, when it, when it comes to short-term oil trading, there's no one on this space. I haven't met anyone that understands short-term trading, you know, better than Javier. So I just, I just, uh, that's it. I just uh, was going to come up uh, to get Javier to share his insights. He already shared it already. So I, I, I yield my, uh, I yield the floor right now. Much appreciated, Sohaib. It's great. We always love hearing from Javier because he knows of what he speaks. It's like the old EF commercials. When Sohaib speaks, when, so when so Javier speaks, and for that matter, when Sohaib speaks, I listen. All right. So now we're going to go to Tony. Hey, Tony thanks, George. What's up, Tony? Always informative and entertaining. Thank you so much for these spaces. Um, I just had a quick question for Tommy. Um, I, what does his uh, sentiment and DeMarc indicators say about uh, Bitcoin? And uh, when would be a good time to short? Because uh, I, I feel like that should be lumped in with the bearish uh, technology play. But, uh, you know, what instrument would he recommend using to do so? And uh, if he's taking uh, a look shit. at it. Recently? Call security. Call security. Who let a crypto question in here? I know. I'm pulling his chain, right? I can handle what, it. What, what do you think of Bitcoin, Tommy? Okay, so here's my take on Bitcoin. It's been the most non-volatile asset in the last several months. It's gone sideways, and it's in a range. Honestly, market sentiment on Bitcoin is around 50%, right in the middle. So there's really no strong majority, bulls or bears. It did get, you know, at the lows down in the single-digit bears. Uh, we did have some DeMarc signals that were developing but were canceled uh, recently. And I know that's like, what do you mean? But I'm not getting into it because I'm almost expiring here after having a few extra beers. So bottom line is it's sideways. If it, I, I honestly don't really have any market in there and take that for what it is. Sometimes not having a market or having an opinion when it's sideways is the most important thing. Just Tommy, wait for it. Tommy, it's amazing about your answer. For the asset, which is like the most volatile, maybe you can explain how markets change. This is like the most volatile thing on the board last year. And now it's warped into something like, you know, it's like, oh, we care. Like, what's going on? How does everything open? It's okay. So, like, I'll, I'll tell you. Here, here's the other thing. I, and we've talked about this in the past as well. The market has been infiltrated with people that chase green, whatever's been working. So they're, they're chasing tech stocks all the way up. Uh, last year, they chased meme stocks. This week, they've, you know, they're, they chase Bitcoin when it starts going. And they're nomads. They have no affiliation with anything other than what can I buy right now that might make me money? And usually when they start buying it, it's a bad sign because the trend is over. So maybe people are just turned off of Bitcoin right now. They're 
they're if they held it for a year, they're down year over year. Uh, but it, you know, the other thing on the positive side, it's it's held some support levels. Thirty five hundred or thirty five thousand is an important level, and I guess you could say the big round number forty is another big round number that can hold. So a uh, good support level. I, I'm trying to say, uh, but right now I, I just have really no opinion uh, and partly because there's no opinion to make right now. Is that okay, George? All right. So now we're going to do, uh, and by the way, by the way, I would like everyone to reach out. I want you to bombard Daryl Jones from Hedge Eye. So we, 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 we have some, we have some diplomacy needed here. So, uh, He's a good guy. Tommy Thornton's a good guy. Something happened. So Jones lives in the area. And I, I, re- I texted him to tell him to come here, but he's not coming. So if everyone tweets him and say, hey, Dow Jones, get over to Sally's. We could have some real fun here. All right. So, Oil God, uh, you're up. What's up, my friend? Good to hear from you. What's going on? Yeah, George. Uh, first of all, I need to ask you, what kind of pizza are you eating? I know where you're eating, but I want to know what you get on your pizza. Uh, so you can start by answering that. And then also, I wanted to tell you, because you requested this specifically for me a few months ago, you wanted to know early the next time I short Shopify. And I'm now short Shopify as of 900 Canadian dollars a share. It had come up from 600. So to Tommy's earlier point about the rally, uh, you know, to the, you know, back up from these tech stocks, uh, Shopify has gone all the way down to six something. I closed my short just above 700. Uh, let it run up, and I am now short that, and I am long SOC, which is the inverse Kathy Wood ETF. So, uh, Tommy, I would just love uh, your opinion on commodity prices. I mean, you keep saying, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you know, you're taking a bet against, for example, steel and maybe uh, oil on a short-term basis. But, you know, I, I'm shorting these stocks largely because I think the EVs are screwed, and I think. The, the valuations, 100%. I mean, even before any of this, even before this shit, uh, the EVs were screwed. And so yep. uh, first answer the pizza question, which is the most important. Second, acknowledge the Shopify that you understand, George, so you don't bitch at me all again. All right, all right, hold and on. And the hold third on, hold is on. talk about commodities. Yeah, hold all on. Hail. Tommy Thornton's your man. So first of all, he ordered the pizza. The beer, we got Allagash. What's the other one? I don't, I don't even know. The pizza, it's Sally's Pizza. I don't know what type it is. Tommy's going to speak to that. So, Tommy, two questions for you. What's the pizza we're eating? You can't even answer the question of what kind of pizza you're eating, George. Yeah, what kind of what pizza? What kind of beer are you drinking? It must be Canadian. Dude, dude. Oh, so, oh, God, so I've so the, like six or eight pieces. I don't know what I've been putting in my mouth. Okay. Be- okay, so so the cool thing about Sally's Pizza and the I whole just, New just, Haven uh, Can you get Newton? Thing. Newton, can you just mute, please? It, like, there's too much noise. Newton, please. Who who do we need to mute? George, oh, no, are you mute? Go ahead, Thomas. No, we're good now. Go ahead, Thomas. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Sally's Pizza and all the New Haven pizza, you know, the uh, the three, you know, well-known pizza, pizzerias, they, uh, it's all coal-fired uh, pizza ovens, and it's, yeah, the main uh, they're thing, fantastic. The main thing is the crust. It's really thin. It's really thin crust. Sorry but it's, and, and, and they do, they do a pizza with just, just sauce on top, which is fantastic. It's, it's it doesn't sound as good, but it's great. And then this one just has moots on top, and it's it's fantastic. So, um, you know, go on Gold Belly and uh, order one up. It's well worth it. I'm gonna mail pizzas out. That's gonna be my my gift to everybody that that hits me up. Uh, okay, so Shopify. 
Uh, I think we were on talking about how this was going to go to 500. Weren't we, George, a month yeah, or so ago? Um, I, I would I would tell you this. Um, you you're asking me. I'm getting a little bit buzzed right now on all the beer. And if I had my short interest data in front of me, I'd probably tell you a little better. And if you hit me up on Twitter tomorrow or email me, I'll give you a good read. But I I don't have my stuff in front of me to tell you if it's you know go time on the short side. So listen, I can drink a lot. Obviously, Thornton can't hold it. So well, guys, no, you can't. gotta come back to the next room. All right, so we're gonna do Amy. And then Sohei. Amy, my friend, what's up? Hello, George. This sounds like a fun space tonight. Yeah, people say I'm too uptight. So this is Thorne put me up to this. We're having a good time. <laughs> Amy, you're in New York area. So you, we're going to be doing these in New York regularly now. I'm not in you, the New York. I'm not in New York. Oh, uh, where are you? I'm in Texas. Oh, all right, fine. So we, yeah. we, we, we'll give advance. We, we need to have like a, like a Twitter Spaces I don't know, dinner or evening or something like that. Hey, that's what we'll do. Thornton, that's what we'll do. You know what? We're going to do a Twitter Spaces weekend, and everyone who's present, hey, that got a great idea. We'll have a conference. You can print, you can present, Michael Green can present, Belkin can present, Dennis Cartman can present. It would be a great idea. And Amy, we'll have you as a keynote speaker, okay? So there you go. Oh, nice. So, 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 Amy, thank you. Amy what, what's on your mind? Uh, well, actually, I just wanted to ask, oh, God, what, what your thesis was for shorting Shopify. Kind of curious. Well, Okay. Besides well, the valuation, I mean that's a that's okay. Well, I mean besides right? the valuation, I mean that's why you'd short Tesla's, right? Right. I mean valuations count in a rising interest rate market where money is not no longer cheap. So let's mm-hmm. go with um, the reason Shopify went up in the first place. Everybody stuck at home during a pandemic. Husbands and wives, lots of them were laid off. They were looking for small business and something to do because they're not having as much sex as they'd let their friends on to believe. And so they start these small businesses, they go on Shopify, which allowed you to have upwards, and this was an average, by the way, go look at the earnings report, four free accounts. So let's just say it's the Amy and Oil God company, the Oil God and Amy company, Amy company on her own, Oil God company on his own, and we would sell the same shit through four companies, we'd see which brand stuck first. Well, the reason the lift in the shares went from 300 to 700 is this acceleration of people opening Shopify accounts online at the rapidest pace in the history of mankind. Well, of course, they didn't monetize all of those. And now that one of husband and wife on average are back to work, the other one is boxing cookies all by him or herself. And now you have inflation affecting the small business. And when you're a small business owner, you have absolutely no purchasing power. Shipping has gone up. Your customers aren't going to pay for it. Your raw material costs have gone up. Your customers aren't going to pay for it. The cost of capital has gone up, which is also going to squeeze the luster of these super hyped up growth investments. <laughs> Tesla, I hope it dies. Um, you know, I'm just going to put Shopify, and now I'm going to give you one last one. It's a, called a curse, okay? And I know somebody that's named Oil God should not be talking about witchcraft, but any of these large Canadian companies that overtake the Royal Bank of Canada, <laughs> i.e. Valiant Pharmaceuticals, i.e. BlackBerry, i.e. Nortel, every single one goes to its ultimate demise. Shopify CEO admitted itself the acceleration is starting to come off. And when that comes off and you see these what is called gross merchandise volume, which is the amount of goods start to drop on the Shopify website, this stock is going to be all but finished. And gross merchandise volume is what people basically sell via Shopify. And so you need shipping to work in the direction 
you need the cost of the goods that they're putting together, whether it goes in an oven, it's knitted in a sweater, or, you know, whatever the fuck it is, right? You need all of that to go the right way. And small business owners with absolutely no experience have no purchasing power. That's why Walmart is where Walmart is. And the people who have Shopify businesses will end up shopping there when it's all done. Thank you. Well, I mean, you're not, I'm not disagreeing with you, um, but they are, you know, expanding their e-commerce platform. And this isn't a plug for, for Shopify. I, I'm really more curious of your timing on, on shorting Shopify because I would say that we haven't seen the decrease in earnings you know, like the, the inflated earnings that we saw during COVID, that, that hasn't really come down to earth yet. And so, I just well, wonder... Amy, Amy, if I sorry to cut you yeah. off, I mean, it's it, it no, was it's two thousand, it was two thousand Canadian dollars a share, right? And I believe today it's nine hundred Canadian dollars a share. If not, it's eight hundred something. I shorted it just over nine hundred. I shorted nine oh one, nine oh two. So, I mean, okay, I, so if, you if, didn't if go my math, today, if my math is right, it, no, 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 I, I was short. Reported at about eighteen hundred. I'm sorry, it's breaking up for me. Is it breaking up for anyone else, or just me? All right, I'll quickly Please jump in. If, is that talk, a... talk, talk. No, I'll just tell you these short. Steps. All right, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Is it breaking up just for me or for everybody? No, it's breaking up for me too. But it, right, could be so, my, it could be on my end. No, no, whoever was talking. All right, enough fundamental talk. I don't have had too much beer to have this discussion. All right, so let's go back to Soheb. So, did you have something to say, Soheb? Yeah, I just wanted to ask uh, uh, Javier his 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 short term outlook, since you know that's what you know he he does is you know on the short term side his short term outlook, and then in regards to an opinion, uh, an opinion. Um, in, in you know, people feel that in the summer it's going to be more of a de demand destruction, whereas the, the the opinion on our end is we're going to see it overshoot um, to, to 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 levels that that, that we haven't seen before. That's a great question, so because I, I think implicit what you're saying is you know we've just been coming through this season. We're supposed to be building at least in North America, and we're not. So that portends prices up and to the right going forward. So Javier, since you're the short term guy. You got a better feel than we all do. What's your take on the short run, Javier? Uh, short term, we we you know we're April twentieth, April nineteenth. The last of about nine point four million barrels of Russian products are going to hit the Gulf Coast. Um, that somewhat put a plug on us on taking doing drawdowns. We should be building. We're not building. Um, driving demand looks like it may have it may have had a near term peak here recently, which is going to put a little bit of crunch on it. My today, like through the next week. Um, because of the uncertainty and unreliability of the information coming out of the Russian refinery uh, and the Kazakh terminal uh, is going to be upwards. I, I think we're going to see a little bit more upwards pressure. Hey, Once we get for, firm information on that, crude oil probably comes back a little bit. At the end of it, it's going to really come uh, just, just one second, Javier. Javier, one second. Hashtag oil, just uh, mute your mic. I got one on the way. I got one in July. Hey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, George, you can mute. You can mute his mic. Hold on one second. Hold on one second. Amy, I couldn't hear you. Were you saying something, Amy? Because oil guy has me. Yeah, I was just saying. What's going on? 
I was just saying that you can mute his mic from your end if he can't hear. All right, that's fine. Cool. All right. We're going to go into so, 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 so let's bring Baron up. Baron, welcome to the stage. What's up, Baron? Hi, George. How are you doing? Uh, just going to bring up something real quick and get some thoughts on this. If you remember a month ago, you and I talked, or I, at least I talked, and you agreed, uh, you basically thought about the same thing regarding this war and the, uh, the timeline. Ironically, uh, tomorrow is, an, uh, is, is this pivotal day that Biden happened to uh, awkwardly say, uh, February 24th, he says, we'll see what these sanctions are in one month. And everyone said, what do you mean? What's, what's in one month? And it's an, an ironic timeline that tomorrow is that day, and they have it scheduled for, for these new sanctions to be issued. What is the you know, catalyst that's going to happen? Because you know, tomorrow, is a, if you look at where we are in the market, up and down tomorrow. Yeah, so listen, we're all spitboiling here. Nobody really knows what's going to happen with Ukraine. We happen to have a couple of really smart guys who've been right on this. Uh, Mr. Schmuckatelli would raise his hand. I already called on him to come on up. I always like hearing from Joe uh, what the outlook is. By the way, you laugh at that Schmuckatelli. That's not his real name. Is well, I'm not gonna tell you his real name, but he's got the best name on Twitter. But anyway, I'd love to hear from from, from Schmuckatelli what he's thinking. Also, if Law Fonts around, someone could wake him up to come and tell us. But no, you and I had the conversation a month ago. It's been totally right. And, um, you know, I'm afraid that uh, nobody knows. I'm not even sure Putin knows. And so I hate listening to all these discussions, whether it's on mainstream media, you know, CNN or MSNBC or even the investment world. Everyone's scheduling these conference calls. You know, they have, a, they have a interview with a retired general who gives his fucking two cents about what's going to happen. Nobody knows. I don't know. Nobody knows. But I like to listen to people who've been more right than wrong, and Schmuckatelli and Lawfon have been 100% spot on. So I don't know if someone can get Schmuckatelli to come on. Oh, here he is. All right. Schmuckatelli is in the room. Schmuckatelli, that's his name. That's his name. Okay. So Schmuckatelli, my friend, what's up, man? Good evening, George. I look forward to the day where I might be able to share a bear with you guys. Sounds like you're having fun. <laughs> can you hear me okay? We can hear you fine. Look, I don't have any. I don't have any uh, amazing, brilliant thoughts on this. Um, I'll just give you my concern. My concern is, and I think I voiced this the last time we talked. I'm worried he's going to turn the place to uh, to rubble. Um, I'm worried that he's just going to level these cities. Um, at this point, uh, the Russian army has proven ineffective against taking territory against Ukrainians. And the Ukrainians have put up a brave defense, and uh, they have proven capable of defending their cities. Uh, however, uh, the best army in the world can't stand up against ballistic missiles and cruise missiles that are leveling buildings. Um, we can use counter-targeting and radar targeting on those, and they do have a few of those units. Um, but they need many more. And uh, so basically counter battery is what they need desperately right now. And uh, whether that's in that package that was just passed or not, I, I'm not aware, I'm not informed. I don't know. But if they can start taking out some of these uh, artillery batteries and uh, cruise missile sites, then that will be a good thing for the Ukrainians. Um, uh, outside of that, I, I'm worried that Putin is just going to level these cities. If he's got no other choice, because he's it, he's shown that his army is not capable of taking those cities. And if it does go to an urban conflict, this is going to be months and months and months 
of house to house fighting. And that is the most gruesome kind of warfare imaginable. So I think the pictures that you can bring up on the internet from Grozny uh, when they uh, invaded Chechnya, I think that that will be a, um, a um, sadly, that'll be a, a, a minimal version of what could happen to Ukraine uh, if this continues much longer. That, that, that's pretty much what I have for you, George. Appreciate that. And uh, Andrew Sinclair, who's sitting next to me, who works with Daniel DiMartino Booth, um, I think he wants to weigh in on this. So, yeah, so. Can you hear me okay? Yeah. All right, we're, we're good. All right, so a- a- Andrew, uh, do you want to speak to, to, to Joe Schmuckatelli about, about his view on uh, the military situation? Joe, I, I love the name. That, that's an awesome Twitter handle. Um, I'm going to point back to um, the people that I follow because, like I said earlier, if, without them, I'd be like, an armchair corporal, but with them, I'm, I'm an armchair general, and that's uh, Mark Hurtling and uh, Austin Technical, and that Austin Technical guy is the lead reporter for the Kiev uh, main newspaper in, in, uh, in Ukraine, and uh, what, what is going on is exactly the playbook that they used in Chechnya, in, in Georgia, and in Syria. Uh, but what is also going on is the heart and drive of the Ukraine people and their willingness to defend their homeland. And um, I'm so proud of them. And I, I actually, uh, no, I'm, I'm not going to say it, but please look at charities. Look at these reporters and the charities that they follow and, and give to them. If you have a good trading day, this volatility is thanks to Putin. Think about giving half that volatility back to the, the, the poor people that are going through hell. Um, and you will feel better and you will become a better trader because of it, too, because you're doing the right thing. Um, so stepping back, can they neutralize the earth? Mark Hartling will tell you, yes, they can neutralize the earth, but they can never occupy it and they can never civilize it without boots on the ground. And right now, their boots on the ground are failing miserably. What, what's Putin going to do? Is he going to back off? Is he going to go nuclear? Is he, is he going to go um, uh, bio, biological? I, nobody knows. Um, he's, his biggest fear is what happened to Gaddafi in Libya. He's made no secret about that. And um, I'm sure a lot of people listening right now would like to see that. So, so Andrew, Andrew, let me ask you a question. Schmuckatelli. I'd like you to respond as well. So, Andrew, one of the problems I see right now is he has no off-ramp. There's no off-ramp. But we don't, we don't need to give him an I know, off-ramp. I know we don't need to, but right now he's got no graceful way. you, you got to give him a quote-unquote win or a way to get out without having his head handed to him, right? Yeah. So, like, I'm not sure. No, you know, no, you don't. No, wait, wait, like, wait, 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 wait. Not that you have to, okay? But right now, I mean, you want to induce him to do so, all right? The thing is, like, right now he's kind of, like, stuck. And the fear is, what you rightly point out, who knows what this guy's going to do. I mean, so do you think he wants an off-ramp? Do you think he wants out or he just wants to, like, break things and, and, and smash bodies? I mean, he's, this is – Putin is not, like, uh, a private equity big shot that just wants to splash in the bathtub, you know? He's a guy that, that you've you got to think like a prisoner in a Russian jail and who respects who, all right? 
you got to punch him back in the face. You got to punch him hard. You're not got. You got to not care about the threats he makes, and that's the only way you take him down. Right. A great movie to watch to get into the psychology of that is Eastern Promises. Um, uh, I I just Eastern I, Promises. Yes. Okay. A, a great another great follow is the 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 most brilliant chess player probably of all time, Gary Kasparov. He'll tell you what we need to do. He all he. He tried to win in leadership in uh, political parties in Russia. He knows the deal. He, he's as exiled as Navalny. Um, we, we, we have to punch this guy back in the face. It's the only way to put him back in his place. Shemakatelli, thoughts? The floor is yours, Joe. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think your partner there, I'm sorry I forgot your name, sir, but I, I agree with everything you just said. I really do. I, I think the Twitter follows you mentioned. I follow Kasparov as well. I follow uh, Ozent Tech as well. I, um, um, you know, I served in Europe. I was at headquarters, uh, U.S. European Command. Uh, and so I know the lay of the land over there. And uh, the commanding general of the U.S. Army in Europe is a, is a pretty damn good source. And I wouldn't dare to, you know, debate him on the issue. Um, so... Um, I think you're right with regard to how to deal with Putin. Um, I guess I'm just looking at the reality of the situation, and I fear that they will just continue to pummel and pummel and pummel these cities. So, you know, that's the reality on the ground. Um, is the Ukrainian army uh, able to go on a mano with the Russians? They've proven that they can. Um, when, you know, when you're getting bombarded with artillery and missiles day after day after day, they're not even allowing humanitarian aid into uh, Mariupol. They're not allowing the people that are in that theater that were in a bomb shelter underneath that theater. They're not even allowing them to be rescued uh, after they uh, demolished it with cruise missiles. Uh, they're using thermobaric weapons. So um, he, he's really he's on a scorched the earth uh, type campaign right now. And this is what concerns me. So uh, he's able to continue doing that with impunity um, unless, unless, unless we ratchet it up a notch. And, um, you know, I don't know, I don't know what that means. Uh, I'm not an advocate for boots on the ground there. Um, but, you know, something needs to cause him to take a step back and to at least give there a strategic pause. And uh, right now I don't see that on the horizon. I hope I'm wrong. Sorry, sorry, guys, but that's, that's great, Joe. I'm sorry if. Uh, hold on one second. I I think, yeah, we, we, Andrew wants to answer, but they're cranking the music up on us here. Give us a second. And I see Long Falls in the house, so we want to hear from Long Falls. So just stand by for one second, please. Uh, listen, I, I agree with everything you said. This is not going to be an easy fight. But so far, uh, Ukrainian people have, have given humanity a shot here against the evil in the world. And we all got to back them up as much as we can. And right now, um, it's kind of a replay of World War II, where at the beginning, um, America's the armory to the world. And that's what we got to do for them. And I think we're doing that in spades. And if you read between the lines of what General uh, Mark Hurtling said, um, there's a hell of a lot more going on behind the scenes. And God bless the soldiers and people that are doing that. All right, so that's awesome. So, Longfont, I want to get you up here. Hold on. Reading was a speaker. So, Longfont, 
you're up, and then after Longfall, we're going to have Andrew, and we're going to have Newton. Hold on. All right. So, Longfall, what's up, man? You you you've been a uh, like Schmuckatelli. You guys have been, you guys have been the ace in the hole and giving us the real deal. Sadly, you've been proven correct. Um, what's your sort of updated view of what's going on, Longfall? Uh, can you hear me all right? I think I might be breaking up a little. Yeah. Yeah, you're fine. Looking great. Um, yeah, I, I agree with both Andrew and Joe in terms of their assessment of the current situation. Uh, just to add a couple of, of notes on top of that, um, NATO estimates that Ukraine, or excuse me, Russia has lost between 30,000 and 40,000 soldiers in the past yes. month, um, yes. which is just a staggering statistic. Now, that's um, inclusive of, of killed, wounded, captured, and deserted. So I think that's much more heavy on the deserted than oh, anything wait, else. Can I interject just a bit? Like, did you hear about the guy? Um, who his whole it's this Russian guy who was a tank driver, yeah. The tank driver, whole yeah, battalion got wiped out, and he decided that somehow, and I don't know how he pulled this off, but he decided to run over the legs of his commander. I mean, we're gonna see a lot more shit like that where these guys go and, and to use a Vietnam term, frack their own officers. And you also have to remember, and this is what General Mark Kirtling says all the time, and you got to follow him if you're not already. These guys don't have an NCO corps, okay? There's no people between the frontline recruits and the, the generals who are appointed based on how much money they can pay off their bosses, okay? So those frontline guys, they see all their buddies get wiped out. They're going to be like, fuck this. Get me out of here. And I, I'm, I apologize. I'm not representing my firm with that language. But I'm definitely representing humanity, and I hope everybody agrees with me. So, Lawfall, go ahead. Yeah, to, to his point, you know, they've, they've lost, uh, I think the count is, I can't remember if it's five or six at this point, but but generals in this conflict. So, between both Iraq and Afghanistan, the U.S. lost one general the entire conflict, and that was a green on blue, uh, an insider attack. Uh, they've had four or five two-stars and one three-star general uh, go down so far, and they've lost a massive amount of uh, basically the equivalent of the middle managers, uh, the, the colonels and majors who are, you know, organizing the fight on the ground. So it's, it's, it's just like genuinely staggering to see how poor this has gone for the Russians. Um, the other thing I'll add is that Ukraine around Kiev has started uh, actually doing counterattacks against Russian positions and taking back territory. Um, I, I don't know how much that is going to be able to continue uh, you know, we're going to have to see how this goes day by day. Uh, where I would de depart from Andrew and, and Joe's take on this with respect is that um, I, I think that prisoner analogy breaks down a little bit when you're when you're applying it to Putin. Right. Like that that works when you're on an equal footing with the other guy and you have a bunch of other prisoners around. Uh, but if that other guy has a gun it's a different equation that you have to use and there is going too far and, and pushing the person until the point where they use that. Uh, and unfortunately Putin does have a spade up his sleeve in chemical weapons and nuclear weapons. And given everything else that he's done thus far, the, the, the level that he's ratcheted it up to, I really don't think that we can rule out uh, either one of those. Um, and just to further clarify, when I say nuclear weapons, I'm, I'm mainly talking about using uh, tactical level nuclear weapons in Ukraine, but I, I think this is a little more complicated than simply being able to punch Putin back in the nose. There, there really is a a difficult calculation to try to 
find a way to bring this to a close or, or de-escalate it so it doesn't get worse. Yeah, Joe, I mean, Lawfall, you really, uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. So, like, given the risks, you don't, you don't do enough. That's no good. You do too much. God knows what Putin's going to do. How would you think about dealing with this? I mean, what would you do if you were in charge? You know, it's a really difficult question, and I don't have a good answer. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, what Biden's about to do with sanctions is, is probably the right answer. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any idea what that's actually going to be, how far they're going to go. But I think ratcheting that up is, is the right next step. Um, as far as militarily, you know, a, a lot of times there's, there's this push to want to do something, right? Because you don't want to feel powerless. You don't want to feel like you, you can't. I mean, you know, my blood runs hot when I see the scenes of, of what's happening in Ukraine. That's why I joined the army was to, to stop this kind of, of shit from happening. But uh, unfortunately, I think the right answer for the U.S. and NATO uh, is to continue supplying the Ukrainians, to continue to give them what, what they're asking for, especially in terms of, um, you know, basic supplies like, like food and, and medical supplies on top of the military equipment. And, uh, you know, kind of continue to monitor this and see how things go. Right? So far, Ukraine has just massively, massively outperformed. This has not gone well for Putin at all. The Russian army is just in complete shambles. I mean, this is this is the bulk of their ground force that they committed into Ukraine, and it was heavily skewed towards elite units. Uh, and they've just gotten demolished. So Russia's military capacity right now, you know, strategically, like beyond Ukraine, is just severely degraded. Um, and Ukraine continues to hold off uh, the the pushes into Kharkiv and Kiev. Um, Mariupol is another story. It's it's really brutal what's happening down there. Um, but I, I, I think what might need to, to take place is for this to continue kind of playing out and see if Ukraine can push the, the Russians back enough that Putin comes to the table and says, all right, let's let's, you know, settle this and, and, and come to some sort of agreement. All right. That's awesome. Lafa. All right. So um, um going to make Andrew a co-host. Hold on one second. All right. So, Lawfall, Schmucker Taylor, why don't you stay up on stage? Uh, Newton, we haven't heard from you. Newton, what's up? All right. Lawfall, I don't know where Newton went. So, Lawfall, why, why, don't, you, why don't you pick up where you left off, Lawfall? I'm here. Uh, I mean, that, yeah, I'll, I'll let Newton go ahead. I don't really have anything else. Um, I think that's the situation. I think it's, you know, it's unfortunate. But uh, so far, at least, it's it's still tipping in Ukraine's favor. Lin Fon, I, I totally agree. I, I, you I, I believe you have served and thank you for your service. Um, I have uh, not had the honor of that, but I definitely um, well, thank you for promoted myself. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I also um, uh, really respect that Mark Hurtling, uh, people aren't watching him. He was the, uh, he, he, he rose through the ranks as uh, a tank operator and uh, eventually ended up heading the U.S. Army in Europe, and his commentary online is phenomenal. And uh, if you want to promote yourself, as I did, from armchair corporal to armchair general, he's, uh, he's one you got to watch. All right, so, so let's, let's go to um, Newton. Did you want to say something? Yeah, apropos of what's been uh, the recent conversation, I was in the Army as well for six years in Germany and Desert Storm. And uh, 
the things we read, I think at the top level, the most important learning I've gotten from the last couple of weeks is we read that Russia and China were so impressed with how U.S. and allied forces took uh, Iraq essentially twice, independent of what we did with the country once we took it. But uh, and supposedly they had made these, you know, quantum advances in their strategy and tactics and logistics. And we're seeing that that absolutely hasn't even happened right next door to in Russia's case, much less in projecting power six, seven, eight thousand miles around the world. So that is one area to just keep in mind. And, and I'm sure there are all kinds of second thoughts, even in long-term China's thinking about uh, their reintegrating Taiwan as, as one China and how they're going to well, militarily can I, do that. Can I jump in? Because at, at Quill Intelligence, we've, I, and I'm sorry to promote my firm. I, I, I came here because my buddy, no, I know, but my Tom <laughs> Thornton, who organized this event tonight and, the great people at StockTwits that have uh, paid for most of the bill tonight. Uh, I, I suspect I'm we're paying the rest. We're, 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 we're <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. Well, then we can can we get a can we get a can we get a pizza with some meat on it? That's my only request. All right, okay. So, jumping back, I apologize to all our great listeners. Thank you. Um, uh, at, at Quill Intelligence, uh, we have commented a lot on the Taiwan risk. And I will say out of the gate that um, we had expected that it was going to be much higher. And when Putin was going to the Olympics, we thought this was going to be the two of them putting their heads together and organizing a coordinated effort, which they did not do. And I think it's probably because Putin on a GDP basis was the much weaker power and China on a GDP basis, excuse me, um, was a much stronger power. So they said, well, you go first and we'll see how it works out for you. And then we'll decide if we coordinate or go later. Well, guess what? Uh, I'm speaking for myself whenever I swear, not my firm. They fucked up. Russia totally fucked up. Their intel into Putin was terrible. They believed their own propaganda bullshit, which is a typical situation for a dictator that they believe their own shit. And you don't have to run a country to realize that. Just work for a company on Wall Street. And hey, and, Andrew, Andrew yeah. can I just cut you off right here? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I apologize I, I, if I'm... I, no, I just want to say um, it was great to have you... Um, come out tonight i i have driven home i'm a lightweight i admit uh, but i just want to say that danielle DiMartino booth does not strike me as the type of person who would refrain from using foul language i have a feeling she's <laughs> able to well use thank you thank language. you but i so you're not working I, necessarily at you know those you know stodgy like She's my boss, buddy. She's my boss. I have to. She's from Texas. She goes to church every weekend. I I have to respect that and uh, step it up a a higher degree than she might otherwise. And uh, (laughs) anyway, I just want to say thanks. I'm just going to hold the toast to her right now. 
Yeah. Cheers, boys. Cheers. All right. And, uh, George, go home. This was fun. <laughs> and we're going to do live events. Um, yeah. Not a conference over a weekend, George. I'm sorry. No. Not going to happen. <laughs> At your house. See you guys. Hey, I'm, I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> I got to tell you the most embarrassing thing. I don't know if I told you. Okay. While George is defining what a long call is, um, anybody wants to quiz me as uh, armchair general, go ahead. (laughs) And God bless all you gentlemen and ladies, perhaps, who have uh, served our country. And I I don't mean any disrespect to talk uh, out of my own league. I rely a lot on Mark Hurtling, and uh, he's done an incredible job for our country and uh, in, in his service, and I strongly encourage you to follow him on Twitter. And uh, I think he's based in Florida and often writes in local newspapers too. Follow him there too. Um, what an honorable man! Good to meet you. Well, Andrew, I uh, I agree with respect to Taiwan. Like I was really concerned with the opening stages of this that China was going to, you know, watch and see how this plays out. The risk of going. All right. But yeah, seeing how this played out, like I, I George, George is wigging out on me. He's going. I, I, okay. So everybody on on our call, uh, George is leaving. I think I'm the last guy here. Uh, I've already texted Danielle to at least pay my parking ticket. So um, I'm I'm here for uh, the evening for whoever would like to talk for at least the next little while. Um, I'm not, and honestly, I have to be honest with everybody. I don't know how to work this thing. So, uh, um, if you have questions, uh, I'll try to figure it out, but, um, I apologize. I, I'd have to, you know, I, I don't even know PowerPoint that well. So, um, I love this, George. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, If, if you have a question, um, speak up. I'm not sure if everybody can speak. How do I turn this on? All right. I've literally just uh, unmuted everyone. So if you have a question, let me know. Andrew, I got a question. Sure. Um, at the risk of sounding mercenary, let's turn this back to investing. You said a few things up at the top, which I found very interesting and helpful. Um, and I just, I guess I wanted you to expand upon your views on the commodity space. And okay, that, that's particular. a great question. It gets us back on markets, which I'm yeah. much more qualified yeah. for. And I appreciate yeah. it. So let's make some money. Let's make yeah, some exactly, money. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So honestly, and hey, everybody's gone and I still have half a pitcher of beer here. This is good. Um, uh, I, I, I honestly believe that it, as... A lot of pundits out there have called for the death of the dollar, and the dollar is not going to die, okay? But the next best thing, because there's going to be a hell of a lot of volatility, is going to be commodities, okay? Um, I had a debate with a uh, self-made billionaire in Hong Kong uh, earlier this week um, where uh, he made his billions in crypto um and he was saying it's going to be the dollar and i was telling him it's not going to be the dollar it's going to be brass 
and I was speaking euphemistically because as any of our uh, service members listening will understand, brass is the main component in a bullet. Um, I, I think that your best protection right now against this volatility in markets is commodities and that's energy. It's all the hard commodities and it is also uh, aerospace and defense like Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman. That's my personal opinion, and I'm only expressing that personally here. I, um, um, and then the other thing I'm, I might add is to uh, significantly think about, um, uh, I'm, it's, it's escaped me, I apologize. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard goods. Nope. Anything that drops it's on good. your toes and hurts, that's what you want to be long right now. I, I don't know if Javier is still listening, but I thought he made a very valid point, and it was my read as well. Um, I believe that that run-up to 127, 128, and then the crash back down to the low 90s, that flash crash we had, it felt to me it was all financial, it was all paper, it was all Trafalgar. Um, and then, you know, we, uh, coincidental with all that, we get this, uh, this nickel blow-up, and, uh, you know, it all comes together and it just looked to me like it was the masters of the universe, the, the financial guys pushing the market around. But now, as you noted, they're all gone. Yeah. I mean, they're all gone. I mean, now the, the guys that are trading the futures are the actual traders, the guys that need to hedge their whatever, their production, their super tankers, well, whatever, whatever the, the producers and transporters hedge. And so the uh, speculators seem to be gone from the scene. And that makes me even more bullish. I'd like to know your view on that. Um, I, I think the speculators have gone from the scene because they can't get the liquidity they need to speculate anymore. The banks are reining in the liquidity. Uh, the speculators want to speculate, but they can't because they don't have the ammunition. And that means things are going to swing much more wildly. I mean, look at the the. Uh, London Mercantile Exchange, like what, uh, like, again, I apologize for the language, but what a shit show. Um, they are, I, 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 I talked to a guy that actually arbs the markets and said, like, do you think this is happening because the Hong Kong Stock Exchange owns the LME and they want it to blow up so that there's more business going to the uh, mercantile exchange in Shanghai. And to my surprise, his response was not yes. It was no. I just think the people in the London mercantile exchange are idiots and it's incompetence. And this guy actually happens to be Russian. So I kind of have to take his word for it, but th th there's just so many factors right now that are pointing to stagflation on steroids. And we're all thinking, oh, this is going to be like the 1970s. It's not. It's going to be extremely more volatile because, as I said earlier, people are older. There's a lot more debt. And, um, and the dollar is not being devalued by Nixon abandoning the gold standard. The dollar is high in some cases and then low in others. Like, I, to, the biggest trade right now that's shocking me but maybe shouldn't be shocking me is the fact that the New Zealand dollar is blowing through the roof like what the hell I thought like everybody would be flooding into 
USD and here New Zealand currency is blowing through the roof. Well, probably because it doesn't take a lot to move the needle there. And there's a lot of people that are running for cover and New Zealand makes a lot of sense. So uh, I, I probably more than answered your question. Uh, sorry, I tend to ramble. Oh, you did. This is really, this is really insightful. And thank you for that. Yeah. Um, since George seems temporarily indisposed, maybe we can like gear towards energy because <laughs> no, he was. No, no, no. Oh, he's no, still here. No, no. Okay, oh, he's driving no. home. He's George, calling from his car. George is texting <laughs> and driving. He's not drinking, but he's, he's texting. Drink. Yeah, he's texting so, and driving, and he left me with the last half picture. Yeah, so so if I if I get if the if the man in the blue suits come to pick pick me up, um, you can pay, you can you can I'll set up a GoFundMe page. You can send in bail money. All right, so okay, so all right, so let's go to Ben. Ben K, you've been waiting to speak. Ben, what's up? Hey guys, uh, most of my comments were around the the Russia Ukraine situation, um, military conflict, and that whole sort of realm has just been a, a really big hobby of mine for a long time. Um, someone was talking about how like Russia sent in their, their best forces. Um, and that, that was, I mean, the, that's definitely not true. The actually, the, I don't know about that. I can, I, I'd hey, like to jump in hey, there. And uh, again, quick, it's, hold on. If I could just, if I could just clarify what I was saying before, uh, I didn't say that they only sent their best troops. I said it was heavily skewed towards it. They used a lot of VDV and Spetnas, and that's those are the units that in particular have been getting decimated. That and the Chechen yeah, Prosmardia. Yes. Yes, they are getting decimated because of the way they're they're trained and they're set up and they're they're promoted within the Russian society. It's like, oh, our paratroopers are the best. Uh, but they train these guys to go in, drop in, and do riot control. You know, and Guess what? Kiev was not riot control. Kiev was like, you land on our turf and we're going to fuck your ass. Pardon me again. And that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And there was a good number of those guys because of the bullshit way Russian and the corruption of the Russian army that their parachutes didn't even fucking open. And, and these guys are dead before they hit the ground. So and, and there's a great report. I can't remember if I got it again from one of the two sources I mentioned earlier. But there's so much competition between the, the Russian senior command that the SWAT teams from local cities were sent in faster than the actual troops that were sent in because they thought the SWAT teams, teams could control the city faster. And the guys in charge of the SWAT teams thought they'd get an edge on the generals. Well, guess Correct. what? Those SWAT teams got, I, I'm going to swear again because I'm a few drinks in, but um, <laughs> they got fucking slaughtered. And most of them got killed. The, the, some of them ran away. And the few that got captured said, we had no idea what we were doing. We were told by our bosses. Can you imagine? The New York City police SWAT team got sent in to raid Saskatoon. Like, <laughs> that's the fucking equivalent here. Like... It's like, it's ridiculous, but the, the way that the, the, the leadership is so corrupt in, in Russia, that's what happened. And they're paying the, pi the price for that corruption. And so what we have to do as a society is realize, hey, we got to not be corrupt here in America, okay? And I, I apologize if I'm going to offend people on the line, but 
I, I, I have a, a huge Russian chat room too, which uh, um, it's a long story. But the biggest thing they push back at me on why Russia is right are pictures of Tucker Carlson. Okay. So, <laughs> all right, all right, Andrew, 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 enough, enough. All right, so, okay. No, no, George on, is a Tucker on, fan, so Andrew, I maybe I should Andrew, step back. I'm already on. I'm already on 95, <laughs> heading back towards the city. So, Andrew, you you leave the place, go get your car. I'll take over the room until you get back. All right, so let's move on here. So, um, <laughs> there you so, go. So, so, all right, so uh, you, you get a break, Andrew. All right. Thank so, you, sir. Yeah. So, so Ben, do you have something else you wanted to say, or was your question answered, Ben? Oh no, definitely not. Uh, so the the only the the big thing with that you need to understand with with Russian special forces um, or anything that's outside of regular infantry. Um, is you can pretty much tell where someone stands in the hierarchy of the Russian military based on what type of AK variant they have and what type of equipment is on that AK variant. Um, And even the VDV guys that they were sending in first, like their airborne troops, um, those guys didn't even have AK-12s, which is like the new rifle program that they rolled out recently. Um, so like those, whatever VDB guys, like the, the, their, their airborne troops that they sent in, those were just like bottom of the barrel dudes. Right. Um, there's been, there's been very limited, like actually confirmed Spetsnaz, you know, sightings here and there. And they're mostly being used for like, you know, guerrilla warfare type stuff, which is what they, they do best. Um, but this has been, I mean, and, and the thing, like, everybody who follows this stuff, whether they're amateurs like me or actually, like, paid professional analysts, um, have been just completely befuddled by how badly Russia has fucked this up. Um, and to kind of put that in context, uh, in the Russian-Afghan war, they lost about 15,000 troops. Um, and they're the, the low, the low estimate right now is already more than half of that. And we're a month into this thing. And the, yeah, the, can, I, can, can I just stop you right there? So Longfall or Schmuckatelli, if you're still there, um, you know, you guys, someone was mentioning earlier, 30 to 40,000. And now Ben's saying, you know, maybe seven and a half thousand. It's a big, big ass spread. So not anyone has a precise well, estimate, but, but either what is your best guess to, or range as to what the actual casualties have been? Any idea? Yeah, George, uh, in, in terms of, of killed, uh, the, the NATO estimate is, is 7,000 to 14,000 or 15,000. Yeah. Uh, in terms of total casualties, so that's including captured, deserted, and wounded, uh, the estimate is 30 to 40,000. I think there's, there's definitely a, a risk of, of the, uh, the 30 to 40,000 being overinflated. But even if you just take seven thousand, like that—that's more than we lost in both Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, no, uh, I get it. No, that, and this that, is that, just a month. Yeah, no, that's helpful. That's helpful. All right, and, listen. Um, can we just hold hold the conversation right here? So we've kind of gone down this uh, Ukraine military—I uh, don't want to call it a rabbit hole because that's not giving it the respect it deserves—but we've gone down that sort of rich war body. Um, we can come back to it, but I'd like to sort of zoom out a little bit here and. Maybe go back to broader topics because um, we're, we're very indebted to Schmuckatelli and, and, and Longfall for their wisdom. The rest of us are just complete amateurs. And so, at any rate, um, I'd like to introduce some other. Schmuckatelli, you have one thing you'd like to say before, before we go on to something else, Schmuckatelli? 
No, I was just uh, applauding that. We were we we were almost there, George. But then I said the dirty word energy, and then you, uh, you came back in. <laughs> we're almost there, though. So, yeah, all right, let's, all make, right, let's all make some money. Let's make I, some I, money. I know. All right, so 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 we're gonna transition, and we have a very special speaker in the room. He appears as David N. He's in the second row. I've not spoken to David Nikoski for quite a number of years. He's a uh, tremendous technician, works for uh, Vermilion Research out of the Midwest. Um, terrific technician, great chartist. Um, and again, what I love about technicians, it's not voodoo. I mean, it's trade what you see, not what you think. So instead of all of us getting caught up in our narratives and believe our own bullshit, I love when chartists like uh, Mr. Nikoski tells you what's actually going on. And that may or may not square with what you believe, but that's what's actually happening. So, Dave, it's so good to meet up with you. Twitter space is phenomenal. We've been out of touch for so many years. It's wonderful to reconnect with you. Hello, sir. I'm, I don't know how long you've been listening in the room, but welcome to the stage. And I guess where I'd start, um, start whatever you want to talk about. I guess, you know, there are four or 500 people in the room, um, and this will probably be heard by upwards of 10,000 people when all the replays are done. Um, as you look at markets, maybe just sort of channel your inner consciousness of what do you think is going on, what do you have a lot of conviction about, and um, you know, share your wisdom. How, how could you help the average investor out there? Thanks, David. Awesome. Thank you, George. I haven't talked to you in quite some time. So I really appreciate you putting this together and, and uh, doing this for all the investors out there. Um, you know, one of the things that strikes me is, you know, looking throughout history, and I do relative strength analysis just for those that are listening. And, you know, we so our group has gone back and grabbed all the data from 1969 to present and has, you know, all of the, you know, actual history. So standard oil and that type of thing. And one of the things that, you know, really strikes me as unusual is, is a lot of us investors play, pay attention to indexes and, you know, they are, they are managed indexes. And for example, you know, we often look at the U S dollar index, but it really comprises of, uh, you know, mostly Europe. I mean, we're the strongest house in the neighborhood. Europe's got uh, natural gas that is 30 times more expensive than ours. Um, you know, obviously, they're very dependent on Russia. You know, one of the things I don't see a lot of fundamentalists talking about whatsoever in the energy sector is, you know, drilling in the U.S. is down 43% from January of 19. Um, worldwide drilling is down 26% plus from January of 19. And I don't know where people think this is going to come from and that this is a Ukraine situation. It extends beyond that. And it, for example, in 1998, you know, you ran down to, you know, oil down to $10 a barrel. And, you know, at that time, you know, every magazine cover came out and said that energy would be cheap for the next decade. On a quiet night, you could hear sucking sound from the east, and that was China. Everything that China is today started in 1998. And you see the same situation with India today. The other side of it is, you know, as we're focusing on the U.S. dollar index, which comprises mostly of Europe, you know, you have major markets around the world breaking out. And I don't want to say major. I want to say emerging growth. And most of the EEM index is being weighed down by the likes of China until recently. 
You have Mexico breaking out to new highs, Peru breaking out to new highs, Chile breaking out to new highs, Argentina breaking out to new highs. Brazil has just formed a major top in the U.S. dollar versus the Brazilian real. You know, you're at 10.5 plus percent interest rates in Brazil. They actually have room to cut. We don't. Look at a chart from Brazil from 03 to 08. It was up 600% versus the S&P 500 index during that same period of time. And I think we're coming into that. Um, if you look at the metals market, I, I have never seen bigger bullish bases, you know, pre, you know, post-1969. And I, and I think that's going to continue. You know, you look at the cost for a Model 3 Tesla has gone up $6,000 just in the battery cost alone since March 1st of last year. I think we're going to see much higher costs. I think the likes of uh, all of the other startups, Rivian, Lucid, no one's going to be able to secure these products whatsoever. It's going to take years of build out. I think you're looking at major bull markets in the ag market. I think you're, you're going to have a lot more people struggling to feed themselves with the likes of the what's happening in the war. And I, I think that we have a much longer way to go. Um, value stocks are way undervalued. You know, in 1980, energy was over 30% of the market. Today, it's at three. You know, if you don't think that we can move up to six and have a double from here, I think it's going to take quite some time before people realize that stocks trading at PEs and multiples of three to five aren't going to sit there forever. And what's happened is everyone's got accustomed to this growth aspect of thinking that tech is going to save the world. I don't know of any technology that can't survive without energy. It's going to take power to do it. And I, I think that we have a lot longer to run. I think it's a multi-year phenomena. Um, we made a call back in early uh, 2002 that we were starting a secular bull market in energy. Um, with drilling down so much, the reluctance by our leaders to um, push for drilling um, and push you into an EV that's going to cost you significantly higher, whether it's through coal or natural gas, I, I think we have a, quite a ways to go. And I think that a lot of portfolio managers have adopted the ESG outlook. And yeah, I know at least with my client base, they're very, they, they can't buy energy. They can't buy materials because it is not environmentally safe. Right. So, so. so, so, so Dave, I mean, you deal with you know a lot of big institutional money and you know, maybe the average individual doesn't quite understand it, but maybe you can explain a little bit if you're a big institution and you've got to deal with the tyranny of the indices and if Apple's 7% of the... I mean, Apple right now is, I think, still twice the size of the entire energy sector. And so, whatever. I'm going to be off a little bit. I get confused which, which, which index. But these guys are more concerned about their Apple weight, whether they're overweight or underweight Apple, than they are energy. Because, like, energy is so small. Like, who cares? And so maybe... I mean, I actually think the individual investor who isn't worried about risk, risk-defined in terms of the risk extent, the risk that you might underperform an index, and is more concerned about absolute returns, actually the individual investor has a, has a great advantage in this situation over the institutions. What would you say to that? I, I would say absolutely. I think that, you know, in my discussions with, uh, you know, the, the my clients, a lot of them own one energy stock, and that's all they can own. And I, and I think this whole aspect of, 
um, coming out with, you know, a, a philosophy to appease their investors to not invest in this. But yet, on the same, on the other hand, push for electric vehicles. I mean, you can't have both. And, you know, we're willing to, at least as a country, are willing to pay, you know, um, kids in China to dig for cobalt with their hands. Right. So, 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 Dave, let me ask you this, just trying to stick to how people can make money or preserve their wealth. Um, you know, if you were, to, if someone were to say to you, hey, you know what, I'm not a professional guy, I'm not going to be trading every week, et cetera, et cetera. You know, over the next year, um, looking at a year, maybe longer time horizon if you want, what would you tell the average individual in this room? Should, you know, what, what should they be looking at? Like, like resource yeah. stocks, energy stocks, materials, avoid technology. Like, keep, keeping it simple for the average investor. Yeah, I, that? I, I think that you know whether it's China or the U.S., we are struggling to find minerals that uh, that we don't want to develop ourselves. I'm going to say that when you look at every country and the largest countries in terms of looking for commodities, you know whether it's South Africa. Peru, Chile, Australia, Argentina, Colombia, um, Mexico, um, they're all at six-month relative strength highs and new price highs. Right. And, and I'm seeing secular changes. And when I say secular, we're talking about 10-year downtrend violations. Um, right. You know, a couple of years ago, we were making calls on uranium and coal. And to try to get a portfolio manager to buy them at that time, I mean, it was like sticking a needle in your eye. You know, and what I again going back to that '98 analogy, when something has been decimated so much, and you look at the bankruptcies that took place in, in 2020, there was over 100 energy companies that filed for bankruptcy. It was the largest bankruptcy in the energy sector going back to '82. And when you look at you know last year, we had over 30 companies in the energy sector, and that was the second largest since 1982. You have extracted so many players from the industry in terms of competition. I, I think that, you know, anyone that could look at it and look at the numbers would, would indicate that we have a serious problem. Diesel fuel storage in the United States is at 20-year lows. I mean, that exceeds what the 2008 period was. Um, you see the same in Europe. So right. I, I don't see this as a, a short-term Got it. Yeah, Dave, that's really helpful. You know what? It's so great to hear from you. We need to do, uh, in one of our upcoming spaces, if you're willing, I'd love to have you sort of be the main speaker and you can kind of talk about your process and how you do things. I think the, the community would benefit enormously from uh, hearing more from you. So I really thank you for that, David. All right. Well, so thank we, you, we, George. Yeah, we got two more people on the stage. I want them to speak, and then I think we're going to call it a night. So Dylan, we're going to do Dylan and then Phil. Dylan, what's up? Hi, I, I actually had a question for Andrew, and uh, I, I don't want to derail the room, although I was hoping I could just make a, a quick statement and then uh, we could well, drop the topic. Pick, pick, yeah, Andrew's not here right now. I don't know if he's coming back or not. So if it's something I can answer, that's great. But I really want to shy away from uh, from, from, from from the war talk again. So if it has to do with that, we do plenty of rooms. If you can hold it, I mean, Andrew, I'm sure will be in the next room. but um, if I can help you, I'd be glad to answer it, but I kind of have a sinking feeling I'm not going to be able to. So go ahead, Dylan. I will I will yield my question, and I will ask in another room. Thank right. you. Th th thank you, Dylan. Phil, you got the last last word. What's up, Phil? 
Thanks. Um, with the with the energy situation uh, particularly acute in Europe, um, what impact? And George, this is for you, but welcome thoughts from uh, from David and others as well. What impact long term do you all see that having on European financials? Um, or, you know, is it better just to focus on the near term? You think? Um, uh, well, it, Phil, 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 if I may, I'm going to invoke the quote to one of my favorite philosophers, the late and great Yogi Bear. Predictions are difficult, especially about the future. Um, I think European financials are in a world of hurt right now as it is. Um, I could paint for you a very dark long-term scenario as well. Um, honestly, when you look at, you know, Dave Nikoski, who's going to come, I've already, I've already shamed him, embarrassing him. He has to come to our next room. Um, I totally agree with his observations about the relative strength, absolute strength breakouts, a lot of the leadership. I mean, you look at the price action in the European banks, there's information content, man. I mean, I, I think they're up creek without battle. So for me, it's just an area I'm just not interested in, period. If you put a gun to my head, I'd be looking to short them, not buy them. So I, I just think Europe is very, very challenged for all the obvious reasons. You, you could you, you could make the case yourself. And I just think there are a lot more dynamic ways to things to be involved with than European financials. And if you think, well, hey, you know, there's blood in the street. Should we be buying? Blah blah blah. No, I, I think this is going to be such a long, drawn out uh, affair that uh, it's not going to resolve itself quickly. So, um, sorry not to yeah. be more cheerful. No, I was I was honestly thinking more of a of a of a short. They've come down a lot. Oh yeah, no, been... no, they're yeah. short. The problem is they're very volatile. I mean, you saw we had that day a couple of weeks ago where. The news got better. I think the German stock market was up like you know, 8% in one day. Deutsche Bank, which is one-stop shopping for all your unnecessary purchases, you know, that thing I think bounced like 20%, having just fallen 40%. So, no, nah, it's a fool's errand. I mean, if you're going to do anything, I look to short them on strength. I, I just, I, for the average investor, it's just a complete waste of time. All right, Ben, did you have a quick follow-up? Otherwise, I want to close the room. Ben, what's up? Yeah, I did have it. uh <laughs> I, no more war talk. I do have an energy trade idea, um, and it's a it's a political play. I think that before midterms, this administration is going to be pressured into increasing North American production. Uh, TRP Tango Romeo Papa, uh, that's the company that's mainly owns Keystone. Um, I think that it that the hand is going to be forced. They'll they'll waffle on it as all politicians do, and bring that back online. Um, I'm, I've been buying out-of-the-money calls on, on TRP, just full disclosure. Um, and uh, on the emerging markets notes, uh, bold call, but Mexico is going to be a failed state within 10 years. All right. So, so Ben, just real quickly, what was the ticker symbol again of, of, the, of the long idea you had, the ticker symbol, please? TRP, Tango Romeo Papa. All right, perfect. All right. Thank you for that, Ben. All right. Listen, we've been at this two hours. Um, this was an ad hoc last minute thing. I've had too much to drink. Um, so we'll do it again. Thanks for all of you. This has been great. Um, you know, we'll probably do a room on the weekend, if not sooner. Everyone be well and um, take care. Good night, everyone.